0: just go to cars.com It's magical.
1: This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts, Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts, and we are coming to you days after the 2019 NFL draft of the Miami Dolphins made some headlines, made some news. No, not because of their pick of Christian Wilkins, not because of their pick of Michael Dieter, not because of their pick of Andrew Van Geekle, nor Isaiah Prince, nor Chandler Cox, nor Miles Gaskin, but instead it was the bold-faced trade for Joshua Rosen. Joshua, the Hebrew hammer Rosen, as he is called in NFL circles being the pick for the Miami Dolphins in the late second round after they traded down with the New Orleans Saints, picking up an extra second rounder on the way, trading the number 62 pick to the Arizona Cardinals as well as the 2025th round pick to the Cardinals for the rights to Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen now comes into Miami as the presumptive starting quarterback for the regular season. Of course, he will have to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick in training camp but all signs point to him being the starter as the Dolphins need to figure out what they have in him as they head towards the 2020 regular season and the 2020 draft. Will they tank for Tua Tungvalaya or will they tank for Justin Herbert or Jake Fromm or others in the draft in 2020? That remains to be seen. But if the Dolphins do get a new quarterback in Josh Rosen in terms of is he a different person than he was with the Arizona Cardinals from 2019 it will accelerate this rebuild process by at least one year, possibly two, when you figure in the rookie quarterbacks come in and probably need a little bit of time to sit and learn the ropes before making a true impact. Joshua Houts, Aaron Sutton. I know we all like this trade. We all like what's happening here. Sutton, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the trade? And then I want to get into, after Houts gives his thoughts, there's been a lot of debate on what exactly were the trade terms. We'll talk about that after you give
2: your initial thoughts. House and Sutton. Yeah. D- did you mean like two separate transactions or? We'll, we'll talk about yeah. that.
1: We'll talk okay. about that after. I just want your initial yeah. thoughts on the trade as a whole.
2: Yeah. I got you. So, what if I told you that? Two of our division rivals traded up for a quarterback, and we spent pennies on the dollar on a quarterback, and neither of those three quarterbacks have separated themselves. Would you not say that we have put ourselves in a favorable position just thinking on it on those terms? Alex, what do you You're think? Right. You're right. It sounds right. too good to
3: be true. That, that doesn't happen to the Dolphins. That sounds too good to be true.
2: Okay, so right. we've at least done something there. Kanata, go ahead. You're right, because – Sam Darnold, right? He had an okay year.
1: Josh Allen had an okay year. The only one I'm going to argue with there is on Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think that dude is special. I think he's going to be a star for years to come. But I will argue Josh Allen and Sam Darnold.
2: Yeah, yeah. If I didn't make that clear, I think Baker was a kind of in a class of his own. And we had talked about that last year around this time. But anyway, when you're comparing Rosen, Darnold, and Josh Allen, I don't see much separation from these guys on a per game basis. They each had their, they had their ups, they had their downs. I think Rosen, how it's your Twitter thread. I, I think he did the, the best you could to put his best foot forward. I think there were some questionable things on tape, but when you get a guy for that type of value and you bring him in to work with a guy like Jim Caldwell and have a backup quarter, like, like Ryan Fitzpatrick. So the way I'm kind of sifting through this is, at worst case scenario, we have a cheap, young, possibly really good backup quarterback. If we don't like what we see in 2019, so I think there's. Uh, I think this is a pretty risk averse move. I, I I really like it.
3: Yeah. And it's just crazy to think that this is the Miami dolphins that we all grew up rooting for. You know, I remember I'm old enough to remember when they traded a second round pick for AJ Feely and you look at uh, what (laughs) happened now in retrospect. I mean, you touched on it best last year. They went up there, they stayed put, they got Minka Fitzpatrick. They didn't jump up for Josh Rosen and a year later, no one could imagine him being available, being able to be had for the 62nd overall pick. I know we're going to talk about, you know, what Miami did there to trade down and, and get the best of the value that they could, but, for me, I see a guy that last year was a top three quarterback. You know, Daniel Jeremiah came out and said if those three quarterbacks were in this year's class, he would have all of those over Kyler Murray. Uh, I think a guy like Josh Rosen. This is he's going on his fifth coordinator in four years or sixth coordinator in five years. I mean, you got a guy here that is a blank palette. They can go out there and do whatever they they need to do to make him into that quarterback that they desire. I think he's the perfect quarterback for this offense. I think he has all the skills that the Dolphins are looking for. I just can't believe that a 22-year-old, $6.5 over the next three years fell into the Miami Dolphins' lap, and they actually went out there and did something about it. It's crazy to think that it happened. I'm interested to see how this thing works out. We saw at the press conference he sounds like a new man. I'm excited to see the Josh Rosen era begin in Miami.
1: Going back to your point, Sutton, about Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. When you look at their pro football focus grades from last year, Sam Darnold had an overall grade of 64.7. Josh Allen, an overall grade of 65.3. Josh Rosen, yes, an overall grade of 49.1, which is pretty bad. But when you look at their highest grades, Sam Darnold had uh, three what looks like elite games against Indy, 87.4, against Houston, 90.3, and against Green Bay, 88.7. Josh Allen had one at 90.8. Josh Rosen had one at 87.1. So when you're looking at even Josh Allen and Josh Rosen, you look at their comps, I mean, it it all comes down to the situation that you're put in, right? I think we all think, we all know that Josh Rosen was put into just a terrible situation Mm -hmm. with the Arizona Cardinals. And for me, I'm not willing to judge Josh Rosen on anything that happened last year we've talked to people, all three of us have talked to people that said that the offense that Rosen was in was almost elementary school level.
2: Totally agree. And yeah, you could probably see some similarities between the offensive lines that uh, Josh had to work with last year compared to what he might be facing with Miami in 2019. Interesting stat, Josh Rosen was the most sacked quarterback under two and a half seconds last year. So, provided that our offensive line can give a little bit more cushion than that, I think we're putting him in a better position to, to go through his progressions. Howitz, I thought your thread did a pretty good job showing Josh going through those reads. So, I, I think compared to Ryan Tannehill, he's almost already better in that sense. I, I've, I, I already felt that there were some snaps where he just looked. He looks sharp, and I don't know that there were as many snaps that I saw from Ryan in his rookie year, comparatively. So perhaps that's the wishful thinking in me. But I think when you when you break down the value, you bring down what 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 he brings to this team. Uh, I don't I don't think it does us any disservice considering the draft capital that we have and the the money that we can move around next year. The sky's the limit for whatever we want to do next year, no matter what position. So I think this is all just kind of icing on the cake.
3: Yeah, and I think it's funny because we thought when Ryan Tannehill would leave, you know, the civil war between Dolphins Twitter would end. And I think if anything, it just got ignited even more with this Josh Rosen trade. There's some people (laughs) that are hard on the it's terrible value. You know, there are better players there. And then there are others who just think that this is the best trade and great things could come. Uh, personally, I mean, it's try I'm trying to sit back as a fan and not get too excited because if any of us, I think we were kind of all in agreement last year, you know, Josh Rosen was a franchise quarterback, could be a franchise quarterback. We thought he was an option last season. You wasn't know,
2: they, he, wasn't he like the most pro ready quarterback, got, yeah, you he, know, that those were some of the terms I, I was hearing before the draft and then to, Tony Pauline linked him to us and
3: yeah, he, he was. And, I mean, you said it. You look at that film and you do see a rookie, but you see a rookie that's making plays and doing things that, I mean, personally you haven't seen from a Miami Dolphins quarterback in quite some time. So when you say that you see a more refined player than Tannehill, his rookie season, I absolutely think so. I think that he's going to come in here and compete. And, I mean, it should be a quarterback competition. Everyone should have to compete. You brought Ryan Fitzpatrick in here because he is that mentor, because he is a pretty damn good quarterback that can do good things. Brought him in, let them two compete. I think Josh Rosen will win out that quarterback competition. And I think you'll get a good evaluation in 2019 of what he is capable of. I think when all is said and done, you know, best case scenario, the Miami Dolphins have their franchise quarterback. They have $120 million. And then they have all those draft picks to just go out there and build around this guy, build around the defense, and build an elite unit. You see these teams competing with those rookie contracts, six and a half million over three years. You can't beat that. Uh, There's absolutely no risk I see here because, like Sutton said, you still have all that ammunition to go up there and get a quarterback next year if you desire.
1: This is a win-win situation for Miami. Don't you think, though, that if Josh Rosen does not start week one, then the Dolphins are doing it all wrong?
2: I, yeah, I was just going to kind of throw this out to you guys. Is it a really true quarterback competition to you? I I kind of go back and forth, to be honest with you, because I do see the merits in if Ryan Fitzpatrick happens to be better than Josh Rose, and I think you, as a rookie head coach, if you've come in with your M.O. as being, we're going to start the best player no matter where you came from and who you are and all that kind of stuff, then you have to start Ryan Fitzpatrick. But Fitzpatrick and, and
1: will play himself out of a job, though.
2: Yeah, if it's equal, then you have to go with Rosen and his ceiling. But um, I hope it's not too close, you know. I I hope Josh Rosen wins this race because then it makes it easier for us. Okay, (laughs) here's the worst-case scenario from what I can tell, is Josh Rosen wins the competition. And I'm sorry for putting this out into the universe, everybody, but we're Dolphins fans. We're programmed to do this. Josh Rosen goes – like two and three, three and two with some really good tape. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in and goes five and six the rest of the year. And we end up eight and eight, not knowing what the hell to do again.
3: Why Why would you say that? Why would you,
2: think
3: <laughs> why would you even think that? That's ridiculous. Because Can
2: we put you on mute the rest of the night?
3: Yeah, I guess he could, but. Play some sad music um, behind that. That's, that's sad. That you was know, like that was like
2: red. This? That was like red wedding. Sad. Was what it. the
3: hell is wrong with you? I you
2: had, that, had to put it out there just because. You didn't have put, could, out couldn't, there. couldn't you see it happening? Though? Yeah, eventually now, it's
3: going to come back, and it's going to be exactly how everything goes. Exactly. That's, how, that's how.
2: Okay. This is the quickest story of how we <laughs> don't know what we're going to do for quarterback next year.
3: I will say I don't know if it's necessarily a terrible thing. I I tweeted out, you know, that bye week is, I think, week five. They come back from that, and that would be an ample time to get him out there. But I think if it's a real competition, he needs to go in there and and beat Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't see how a 22-year-old that seems to be pretty damn good can't go out there and beat a 36-year-old that enjoys eating cake. You you hope that Josh Rose and a guy you just invested two picks in, can go out there and and get the job done.
1: I love cake, by the way.
2: Well, yeah, um yeah. You like to uh, wear tiaras at some of those parties, too. Which ones? Uh, The princess parties, specifically. I I think you get to about six or ten of those per year, don't you? Yeah, yeah.
1: Nice. Mm. I I do love tiaras. I love princesses. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. So let's get back to my question, then. Uh, my pre- previous question, which I wanted to follow up with, is we kind of talked through this Josh Rosen trade. We're all in agreement with it. We all like it. There's, I think, very little risk for the Dolphins. But there are some people who think the Dolphins gave up too much for Josh Rosen. Now, here's where I want to make my stance clear. The Dolphins traded down from 48. Or was it? Yeah, it was 48 or 42. What mm-hmm. one was it? 48? Yeah, 48. 48. Dolphins traded down from 48 to 62 with Josh Rosen in mind. So, yes, while the trades were not in combination with each other, the trades are related. I don't think there's any way that Dolphins would have given up 48 for Josh Rosen. They had no issue giving up 62 for Josh Rosen. But when they saw they could get an extra second round pick in 2020 for that, which they wanted to do all along, then they felt a lot better selecting Josh Rosen at the end of the second round. For Dude, me, Matthew, do you, like,
2: do, do you know anything if the Patriots were interested in using their last pick in the second round to go after him? I don't know. Because that, that would be the only definitive evidence that we would have to kind of separate these. So the
1: interesting like, thing was that Josh Rosen said in this press conference that he never met with the Patriots last year, but they supposedly loved him. You would have to think, but you would have to think – let me finish this off. You would have to think that yeah. Chad O'Shea and Brian Flores and the others from the Patriots knew about the interest there. But I don't think the Dolphins would have dropped down – what was it, 12 spots, 14 spots, or whatever it was, 14.
2: Yeah, thinking New England might jump up ahead of them. And then
1: well, yeah. New England could easily jump ahead with right. all the books. Right. So I don't know if that New England yeah. was going to pick him there, but I do know that when you think you have a quarterback, I'm sorry, I know people are mad at me for saying quarterback.
2: <laughs> Say it a few more times. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. We
1: just, we just lost 25 listeners. Quarterback. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you think you have your qb i think that you take a chance and i think that you look at things differently when it's a qb draft picks are worth a little more we hear it all the time if a team is coming up for a qb the other team is going to hold out for more picks because they know that team is coming up for a qb if they're coming up for a let's say cornerback or edge rusher or linebacker receiver running back or whatever the price is going to be a little bit lower So, for people saying that the Dolphins gave up too much, I think that is an absolute lie. I think they gave up what they should have given up for Josh Rosen. I think a first would have been too heavy for him, but I think a late-round second, I even think an early second with 48 would have been a little too much, but I think a 62 right at the bottom of the round two, which is almost a third-round pick, is absolutely perfect for a guy who was a top-ten pick last year. How to your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I definitely think the moves are related. I think there's absolutely no way that the Dolphins trade down there. You know, I think all along, once they saw the way the board fell, they saw that they were the only team left in the Rosen sweepstakes. I think they realized that that was their guy. You know, why not use a second round pick on a guy who just a year ago was taken 10th overall? You had to feel good about him. Uh, I think the two moves are definitely related. And you got to be happy with the way things played out because the Miami Dolphins normally don't make moves like this to see it go down the way it did. I mean, it's awesome. Hopefully the Dolphins got a franchise quarterback. I'm not sure at 48 I would have jumped, but I think by trading down, using your boy Jeff Ireland, you know, maybe he didn't really have a good stint here in Miami. People feel one way or the other about him, but he helped the Miami Dolphins out, 2020 second second-round pick, and you got potentially a franchise quarterback. Uh, You got to tip your hat to Chris Greer and those guys in that front office.
2: And I think this whole – we could have waited on Josh Rosen thing assumes no competition. And that's why I kind of asked about the Patriots because obviously they drafted one in the fourth round, Jared Sidham from Auburn. So, I mean, how long could we wait? So I think that was my initial reservation as well was, could we have waited to the third round? There were still some good prospects uh, on the board there when we could have drafted at the, at uh new Orleans pick that we ended up getting in the second round. But, hey, we we turned, we turned the 2020 draft pool into a, a pretty interesting thing. We have, what, two picks in every round except the first next year? So the fact that we were able to do something kind of weird like that, but awesome, we, the, we have so many directions we could go. It, it puts us in a really unique position, I'm not sure, if I felt the same way about the team and like, I always felt like we're, we would be low at this time of year when we're looking at next year's draft capital, we're looking at, we're looking at Arya Stark right here. I know you have no idea what I meant just there, Matthew. And I said on purpose,
1: all I heard was Arya, And I just know what you're talking about. I'm not going to talk drunk about game of Thrones.
3: Cause I don't watch gonna, it.
1: You're not going to beat me. Into
3: <laughs> it. I don't like right. it. <laughs>
1: You're not gonna bait me into it, all right?
2: America's Got Talent comes on pretty soon in a few weeks. Oh, thank God! We're, we're sorry. We're
3: sorry. Thank
2: God, some real programming's coming back on. Seriously? Dogs juggling. Seriously. Biscuits. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, watch this sure dog that. eat the biscuit off its nose. I'm not sure why you guys hate on it so much. <laughs> I okay. think it's just because we spite you and that's just one convenient avenue to do that. Have you ever, have
1: you ever watched America's Got Talent?
3: Quarterback. Yes, we've all watched at least an episode.
1: Okay. And how are you not inspired and moved by the golden buzzer when the confetti falls from the sky? I do not
3: I do not know about the golden buzzer. It
1: turns What, what is the golden is this, buzzer? Is, Roy Wonka? <laughs> is Josh Rose? Is Josh golden Rosen buzzer? our golden? Is Josh it's like Rosen a golden, golden shower, buzzer? but it's a golden buzzer.
3: Is Josh wait?
2: What? So wait, wait is this is this why you like shower beers so much? Is because you're doing golden showers and
3: is, is Josh Rosen our golden? buzzer? You just brother. opened up a whole
2: new territory for us, bro. Josh Rosen is our golden
1: buzzer. But anyways, <laughs> if someone has like a really moving performance or a really knock your socks off performance. Each show, each audition show, the, one of the judges has the golden buzzer in their hands. If that participant, that contestant really moves that judge or whoever it is, there's only one golden buzzer per show, that judge can hit the golden buzzer and automatically that contestant goes straight through to the live show. Dang. And the, the effect is dramatic like they hit the golden they start playing the music the soft music in the background and they build it up it's all pre-recorded for the audition so you kind of get a sense that it's coming it builds up and then it goes slow-mo and just think about it goes. i'm i'm i just can't I, you're then, building so yeah. much to say what are you describing here i, I just I can't they go they'll, they'll stop it they'll pause it and then all of a sudden they'll press What's play it? and go boom <laughs> and the golden buzzer comes flying and out golden shower. all over the
3: place golden
1: shower golden shower. everything oh, is golden uh, slow sh- mo. Yeah. the person uh, make it rain the, gold, the person who gets the golden buzzer is just crying on the stage it's
3: that a, is what happened when the dolphins traded for josh rosen
2: it's a really moving moment that's what christian the wilkins did into roger goodell on stage speaking of christian wilkins i think we're done with josh rosen he's our savior <laughs>
1: he's clearly gonna save this franchise <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much to be a quarterback to save this franchise qb i'm sorry christian wilkins who in their right minds let me just back up a step what did we say on finsider radio Uh the, the draft the episode before the draft i think it was a day or two before what did we say can you remind me
2: matthew i think you said that we were gonna draft christian wilkins can you repeat that for the people in the back well, well, let me see if I can use my Boston quarterback and accent That'll, a little bit.
3: <laughs> that's Australian. <laughs> that's, yeah, I don't that's know Australian what that was. This is but, an outback. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, son, uh, you,
1: that, re- my, that, you, that reminds me your accent there. It's like when you get so drunk, your like, accent gets really thick. And it just comes yeah. back to Cincinnati. Yeah, redneck you just stop talking? I was going to tweet you on uh, Saturday – because the Bengals pick was at Paul Brown Stadium, but you could see the bridge that you walked over in the background. <laughs> and I wish I could have gotten a screenshot of it, but I couldn't. But it, your bridge was there.
2: They should have my picture up on that bridge right now, to be honest with you. I can't
1: believe you walked across that bridge.
2: It was, it was, that's what Ryan, that's a Ryan a,
3: Tannehill made you do.
2: It was a devastating was a game. game. Ryan Tannehill didn't yeah. make
3: you do it. remember that. Yeah.
2: There's no, there's he no way Josh Rosen loses that game. No.
1: No, the chosen,
3: no, the not, chosen no. one would not.
2: He would not
1: lose Chosen that. one will never lose those kind of games. Anyway, I, Christian, yeah. Christian Wilkins. I don't think many people expected him to be there at thirteen. The Dolphins had designs on trading down on the first round if their guy was gone, and Christian Wilkins was one of their guys at the top of their board, and Oliver, another guy that they wanted at the top of their board, but he had gotten scooped up by the Buffalo Bills before them.
2: That sucks.
1: Yeah, he's going to be a monster for them. But anyways, uh, Christian Wilkins can play all over the line. He's going to be a great addition for the Dolphins. And I think we covered him on the episode a few weeks back. And just a dominant force right in the middle of that line. And again, all over the line. He's going to be a really great fit. He's going to be a great fit for the locker room. I'm excited to see what he can do. He's going to be a day one starter, of course. According to my big board that I put together for Pro Football Network, he uh, had a... average grade of let's see here his grade was a 1.77 and in my grading the closer to zero you are the better off you are the higher you are the worse off you are so to be at 177 is pretty good 1.77 and the pick differential which is basically the your total grade and or the pick where you where you got selected the number so number 13 it's basically the average of your overall rank, which I had on rank number 24 overall, and then your position rank, which I had on rank number four. Those two combined, along with the pick, gets your pick differential, so minus one. So zero is neutral. Zero is where they should have been drafted. Minus one is basically right there. Anything in the minus, in a negative is a reach. Anything in the positive is obviously good value. So I think Christian Wilkins was a great pick there at thirteen. Your thoughts, Alex and Sutton? We'll start with you, son.
2: <clears throat> well, in my defense, I thought we would go Cleveland Farrell because the whole Clemson defensive line coach connection with Marion Hobby. So, got to give you kudos to that, Matthew. He was you got to you got to think that he was the best player on the board and somebody that they really didn't even have to look into, to be honest with you. Okay, look. At the Combine, it, he had one of the top three interviews of any player that I saw. And I think the reason he's such a good pick for the Dolphins is that he checks so many different boxes, not just, you know, the football player and the, you know, he, he's so smart, okay? Th- this is a guy that got his undergraduate degree and his master's degree while playing Division One football at Clemson in three and a half years. Okay, this dude could sell you anything. He just has that type of magnetism. You saw how he interacted with Roger Goodell on the stage. This is going to be a guy that's going to have, in my opinion, a shack like influence on our club. Now, Shaq, maybe not as dominant of a player as Shaq was in basketball, but in terms of personality, that's where I see him. And I think he's going to uh, give us some versatility on the defensive line, first and foremost, because we are going to be alternating between three and four defensive defensive line fronts. So I think he's going to give us some technique versatility. He's going to give us some scheme versatility. But when you look at this defense last year, yes, you can argue that we don't have the pass rush there. Yes, you can argue that we don't have the pass coverage there. But this was the 31st ranked run defense last year. And I don't know that there's anything more demoralizing and more uh, devastating to a, a football game plan than to just get ran on at five, six, seven yards at a time so i think this was an important pick for our club and he checks so many different things that you want out of a first round investment that we couldn't pass it up
3: yeah i know Sutton. i think he tweeted it out you know that a def- a new new coach you know they come in and they they bring in their own little chess piece and this is kind of brian flores chess piece We you know he missed out on his boy trey flowers he ended up in detroit but what you get with Christian Wilkins is a guy, I mean, you see the character. I mean, this is a guy that is a franchise player, is going to be the cornerstone on the front of that defense. You know, can do a little bit of everything up front, can play over the nose, you know, can move to defensive end, can play up on the outside, can play at line. He can do everything, and, I mean, he does it well. He, he's a stout against a run. He can get to the quarterback. He is a a he, he is a home run pick, and the Dolphins went out there. It's just like Minka Fitzpatrick last season. You know, you see an elite defensive player fall into your lap, you can go out and get him. I think that's what they saw with Wilkins. Uh, Kanadi, you nailed it leading up to the draft. I mean, you were on that quicker than anyone. I mean, you said that name from day one, you said that day that night. You knew that pick was coming. But I mean on on paper, that is a home run pick, and I expect him to and Brian Flores to get along very well and him to be a huge, huge part of that defense. One thing I just want to throw out there, I mean, you saw it. he can play quarterback, he can he can run the football. Who knows what kind of different things Brian Flores could give him opportunities to do, but This is a great pick. I think he's going to be a a building block for this defense for many, many years.
1: Christian Wilkins was not a top 30 visit. Neither was Michael Dieter or Dieter, the offensive lineman from Wisconsin who was drafted in the second round by the Miami Dolphins. I'm sorry, third round. Josh Rosen was a second round pick. Dieter played offensive guard, can play the left guard position, the right guard position, the center position can also play some tackle if absolutely needed, prefers the right side of the line. Has no issue playing the left start side as well. What I want to do with these last uh, five picks, Sutton and Houses, is I'm going to throw one of you to each, um, one to Sutton, and then the next one in the house, and the next one in Sutton, the next one in the house. And we'll do it with the seventh round pick. But I only want to get you know one opinion on both in, uh, in the essence of time and what we have left. So Sutton, we'll start with you with uh, Michael Dieter from Wisconsin. I had him as overall grade as 3.03, which is basically a third round grade, early third round grade. Miami got him right in the middle of the third round there. A pick differential of plus 41.5, which is pretty good there. Uh, that's really good value, as you know, according to my draft grade and everything else that comes associated with it. As I said, he is projected to be kind of a day one starter there just because of the state of the offensive line in Miami. You would like to see Isaac Asiata get one of the guard spots and then Dieter fill in one of the other spots. Sutton, do you have anything extra to add about him?
2: Yeah, I just – I typically like Big Ten offensive linemen. Not only do they play in harsher elements compared to some other teams in college football, when you look at it from a weather standpoint, and when you play for the Miami Dolphins, you're going to have to play in Buffalo and New York and Foxborough every year, and it might be at a time where it doesn't uh, uh, suit the season too well for us. So uh, you have to play in those types of environments – and the Big Ten just seems to produce better NFL quality offensive linemen. I don't know if that's based in any science or not, but that's my, my take on that is get me those corn-fed Midwestern boys on the offensive line and we're going to be in good shape. So I think with Michael Dieter, uh, we can kind of cross out one of those guard positions uh, right away.
1: Moving on to the next pick for the Dolphins, which I thought was a bit, little bit of a reach in the fifth round here. Went with Andrew Van Ginkle from Wisconsin, another Wisconsin guy there. So back-to-back Wisconsin picks. I had him ranked, and this is kind of sad, don't laugh at this, Is a 359th overall, 43rd at his position. I had him as an undrafted free agent. Here's why. This board is only based on 2018 and not the year before or the all the other years in, in college football. Ben Hinko played elite, almost elite, in 2018. 2017. Sorry about that. And then he got hurt in 2018. So he wasn't able to play to his full potential. But people I've talked to, I right, trust, say that he was a monster around the ball all over the place. Pick differential of minus 50, which shows there was a reach. How it's, Did you have anything to add? based on your studies of Van Ginkle and what you've read along the way.
3: Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know what Van Ginkle is or knew the player You know, leading up to the draft. It, what it seems like the Dolphins got here is a player that can add depth to a position that they desperately need. You know, they got the Raquans, the Jerome Baker, Kiko Alonzo for a little bit longer. But you got a guy here, like you said, he plays with his hair on fire, had a pretty good year last year. It looks like in two seasons in Wisconsin, you know, he had a – 12 total sacks and I mean when you look at Brian Flores defense on tape when you look at that New England style defense you need a linebacker that can blitz I'm not quite sure the Dolphins have that currently on the roster so you see a guy like uh, Van Ginkle you see it in the tape you see him being pretty darn good again to the quarterback I think he's going to be a piece I think he's going to have a chance to you know go out there and, and make an impact I don't think he's going to be a starter and he definitely won't be a starter right away but I think it's added depth I think he goes out there and does what he needs to do on special teams I think this is a guy that could carve a role over the next few years and and be an asset, especially in those blitzing situations.
2: Yeah, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but I think his closest competition on the team is Quentin Poling, someone that we got to interview last year uh, before he was stashed on the practice squad. But uh, Van Ginkel's a little bit taller, but in terms of um, measurables at the combine – production and college and kind of skill set wise what we're looking for i think those are the two kind of comparable uh pieces there so i don't know if both players end up making the roster or if they're competing for the same type of niche spot on the roster we'll find that out
1: someone he could possibly replace in the near future is kiko alonso depending on what kind of defense this dolphins team plays but that's Another discussion for another day. Once we find out what kind of schemes they're running and, and kind, of, kind of how they're scheming these guys all over the field.
2: Well, I would think we're going to be playing two linebackers most of the time. Kiko's going to have a contract we can get out of next year. So right, yeah. Anyway, Let's
1: come to Isaiah Princehouse, the offensive tackle from Ohio State, another power conference. There, another team that's played on the big stage. I had him as a late fifth round grade. Miami got him in the mid sixth round. So that is a good pick there. Uh, 94.5 pick differential. That's a positive 94.5. Had him ranked 197 overall. Was picked 202. 18th in his position. Your thoughts on Isaiah Prince? Princehouse. Do you think he can be a starter on day one?
3: Day one, I don't think so. But I do see a guy that has potential, you know, with the right coaching. Started 41 consecutive games there at Ohio State. You know, played in all 54. So, I mean... This is a guy that has uh, experience at the highest level, one of the highest levels in college football. I think he's a guy that can definitely be groomed into a, you know, one of those bookends opposite of Laramie Tunsil, but day one starter, absolutely not. I like the value that the Dolphins got there with that pick. Uh, they definitely need depth on the offensive line, so it's a solid pick for the Miami Dolphins.
1: Jumping over now to the seventh round. Chandler Cox and Miles Gaskin. I'm really excited about these two picks. I think they're good value picks because when you look at the bust rate of fullbacks and running backs and, you know, different positions, offensive linemen, the risk is a lot lower. And to spend your seventh round picks on basically two running backs, I think is very, very smart of the dolphins rather than a cornerback or a linebacker or an edge rusher, because those guys bust out more than the others. So Sutton I know you're excited about Chandler Cox and everything he can bring to the Dolphins. Your thoughts on him.
2: Yeah. I mean, we have to stare at the fact that the NFL has devalued all running back positions. So you have to look at that in terms of the Dolphins invested in the seventh round, which is where you might see the most type of value if you buy into that theory. But if you're looking at Cox, just from a fullback standpoint, I don't even know if Dolphins remember how fullbacks do things. I mean, we, we've been lucky enough to have Lusaka Polite and Rob Conrad, two of the best fullbacks that I can remember in recent history. But the Patriots used a lot of 21 running back personnel. So you're looking at two running backs there at the same time. And the Patriots are probably one of the better teams at figuring out how to use fullbacks. And that's just going to add a new wrinkle to this offense. Okay, so we're going to be able to do more creative things from an offensive standpoint. We're going to be able to block better from the interior. If you're doing so much three wide receiver, one running back personnel like you saw out of Gase, your only backfield protection is from your running back. When you have a fullback back there, you are able to do some more creative things from a passing standpoint too. So not only are you able to get some better pass blocking out there with 21 personnel, but you can also, just by virtue of the fact that it's such a niche thing, you can run it with the fullback and get some production out of it. And from what I can tell, we got the best fullback out of the draft. So just adds a new wrinkle to the offense, something for Chad O'Shea to play with. And uh, Miles Gaskin, the
1: other seventh-round pick from Washington, I had a, I had actually a mid-fifth-round grade on Miles Gaskin. Uh, he picked number seven, seventh round, number two thirty-four overall. I had him ranked one sixty overall, fourteen at his position. Pick differential, plus 147, one of the best bargains in the draft. Your thoughts on him, House?
3: I really, really like this pick, and I mean, I know for as much as we complained last year that Kenyon Drake didn't get the workload that he, you know, that we'd expected. You see the New England, what they do with their running backs, they bring them in and out uh, very, very often. So you got Kenyon Drake, you got Keelan Bellage. now you bring a guy like Miles Gaskin. I mean, he can do it all 4.58 speed, I mean... He's Washington's all-time leading rusher. I mean, 5,323 yards throughout four years, 57 touchdowns. He's an asset in the passing game. I think this is a guy that is going to make an impact. Uh, obviously on special teams, maybe as a returner, gunners, things like that. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to get some carries. I see him as kind of like a James White type running back. And I think this is a hell of a pick for the Dolphins where they got him.
2: Just a t- absolutely true committee. You're going to see – you're going to see three different running backs doing different things all across the year. So I I think you're going to see production and different terms from all these guys. And if anything, it just buys us a little insurance. If Adam Gase happened to be right at playing Frank Gore, number one in front of Kenyon Drake and Kenyon Drake is strictly more of a pass catching variety. It at least buys us a little bit of a cushion there. Should we not pursue that any further?
3: Disclaimer, do not draft Miami Dolphin running backs in fantasy no. football this year. it's no. going to be
2: Patriots version two.
1: You have no idea who's going to get the ball.
2: Absolutely, no question about it.
1: And I love it. I'm not playing fantasy this year.
2: <laughs> yeah, you'll probably have like eight teams by the time we record our uh, first preseason
1: podcast. Really I'll really put money on it to. right
2: now. Five teams at least. Five. I'm
1: gonna really. I'm going to really try not to. It stresses me out too much.
2: Yeah, I doubt that very much. Yeah, okay.
1: Anyways, I gave the Miami Dolphins an overall grade of plus 45.06. That's best for 11th in the NFL. My top five teams was Arizona with a 73.41, followed by New Orleans, Tennessee, Minnesota, and the Cincinnati Bengals. My worst five drafts with a 3.67. Again, the lower the number on the overall grades, the worse it is. The higher the number, the better it is. San Francisco 49ers at a 3.67 followed by the Falcons, Buccaneers, Seahawks, and Eagles. I know some people might be asking about the Raiders. I had them ranked number 22nd overall. Some people asked about the Patriots. I had them ranked 21st overall, and people were saying, well, the Patriots got good value. Yes, they did get good value, but they also reached, I think, with the punter. Um, I, I think you can never really guess that with the punter, and I think that kind of you know brought their grade down a little bit. Overall, yes, they had a decent draft, but you know, I, I don't. I don't see the impact players that they had. And it's it's
2: so natural to high, just
1: high it, bust factor in their late round picks.
2: It's and it's so natural to just assume the Patriots just slay the draft every year, and they're honestly they're not any better than drafting at any other team in the last ten years. Go ahead, go through it. Tell me, they're not. yeah, they're, they're just not. The draft is as equally a crapshoot for everybody.
1: Yep. I had the Redskins at number 14 overall. I know some people might have some uh, disagreements with these grades, but these are based on the formula that I put together, and, and I'm confident in it. And obviously time will tell where one lies. But I, I wish, I wish be- you were
2: wrong about Arizona because I do agree that they had a really good draft. I just hope that they are wrong so I could continue to be salty about them. Uh, moving on from Rosen. And that going goes, for I'm Kyler Murray, around. but you know maybe we're the factor And uh, listen
1: to this: if Josh Rosen lights it up this year and Kyler Murray lights it up, Miami travels to Arizona next year. Uh That would be a Sunday Night Football. Game we're going. Season. We are going. Me you and Howard. We are, are having our PFM owner meeting <laughs> in Arizona.
3: <laughs> they can also play in the Super Bowl this year too, right?
1: Yes. Yep. The Dolphins are going to make the Super Bowl. Let's
2: not kid ourselves.
3: Definitely.
1: All right. Any any last thoughts?
2: Before we wrap up the show, sign. Uh, no. It, uh, you, you'll hear how much draft capital we have going into 2020. You'll hear about how much money we have left to spend. We have even more money that we could spend in terms of the contracts that we could get out of going into 2020. Whether you're looking at Rashad Jones or TJ McDonald, Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills, Kiko Alonso, Devontae Parker. So there are so many different directions that this team can go in that you just hope that the roots were planted this year. We're going to build this thing.
3: I I just want to tip my hat to Chris Greer because what he's done, I mean, I know we kind of thought this was going to be a, you know, trust the process thing. There's such a long way to go, but what he's done in a short matter of time, I mean, something touched on all those picks next year. I mean, that is a new England thing that the Miami Dolphins absolutely have not done in decades. And they go out there and they, they, they acquire all these picks. Then they go out there and get a quarterback who was highly touted this the year before, you know, they got 22 year old franchise potential game changing quarterback out of this draft you got to tip your hat to Chris Greer. It's another solid draft. Christian Wilkins, I mean, that's a home run pick. Michael Dieter and Josh Rosen, if if those three guys pan out, I mean, this franchise could be a contender for many, many years.
1: The next wave of free agency for the Dolphins will begin May 8th, which is when the free agents they sign will no longer count against the compensatory formula, and their compensatory picks will remain intact. So please keep your eyes on that for that. Dolphins are expected to be players in that second wave of free agency.
2: Yeah, a lot of interesting names out there, too. Some bigger names that you wouldn't think would be available at this point.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely get into that next week on FinSider Radio, which will be right before the start of that period. And again, the Dolphins are expected to be active as they look to shore up their depth and get some bodies into camp and make sure their roster is set as we
2: head into the regular season. Would you like to brag one more time about getting Christian Wilkins correct?
1: Yeah. Can you just tell me if got that correct? you guys want to tell the story about our text message too?
3: Yeah, I, I really did because I was sitting there. I was getting pretty anxious. I think I just got off work, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, yo, I wonder if the Dolphins are really going to get Josh Rosen. I thought to myself, there's only one person that I know that may know the answer to this. We texted in the group chat. We asked Kanata. I think he said, my guy thinks the thing is getting it done, and I think within an hour, the deal was official. Kanata <laughs> was all over that. He was all In over Brunswick.
1: You had texted me at like 9.07. Yeah, basically you said, is this going to happen? And I said, my guy expects it to happen. 13 minutes later, Schefter reported it as going down. So, yeah. I was pretty – that was one I could not put out there to the universe. I know people – at it before the draft i said buckle up keep your eyes on josh rose and keep your eyes on the situation i mentioned it again a little bit into the rounds then after that kind of went silent some things i just can't put out there quickly enough um or at all until it actually happens per my sources direction so that was yeah. one of those situations where i couldn't put it out into the universe for public consumption but yeah well,
2: with inside info people can doubt you at their own peril Flores,
3: Rosen, Wilkins—you you hit on all three of them.
2: Trifecta. Yeah.
1: Domkin. too. too, bitch. Hat Rose trick.
3: Don Donkin too.
1: Don't forget <laughs> Julius Thomas. Don't forget Julius Thomas too. Where I texted you guys and I said Julius Thomas. Literally two minutes
2: later, <clears throat> Julius Thomas trade comes through the pipe. Actually, you knew. We about forgot Danny. about him because. And forgot. you knew about Danny Amendola, but you didn't pull the trigger quick enough. Yeah, I
1: didn't pull the trigger on Amendola. That's one of yeah. my biggest regrets because nobody yeah. else had that. Yeah. Anyways, enough spiking my own football, but then again, who's gonna spike it if I'm gonna right? do it? But us, that's right, son, and how it's my boys? We are yeah. hitting,
3: we are hitting the golden button for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hit the golden <laughs> buzzer. Hit the golden buzzer. All right, that is it for us yeah. on HitFatter Radio. We hope you enjoyed this show. We will be back with you next week. We'll talk the next wave of free agency. We'll talk about the undrafted free agent class a little bit. Um, some decent names to kind of pick out of there and kind of go through those. We'll kind of look ahead towards mini camps and training camp and all that other good stuff for Joshua Houts and Aaron Sutton. I am Matt Canada. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time.